So Jennifer, what were your kids' favorite foods as you were beginning to introduce, you know, foods moving from formula to solids? I mean, they liked all the foods. My kids were just like born to eat. <laughs> we really uh, introduced lots of foods and they liked so many of them. But I do remember that my oldest son did not like green beans. And even as he grew up, he pretended to have a green bean allergy in order to like not have to eat it anywhere. Hey, so I he think that's brilliant. Specifically allergic to green beans for years. <laughs> I love it. Can you hey. see my air quotes going on? Right. Yeah, you're allergic to green beans. Hello. Well, you know, that's just, hey, he is really, really brilliant in trying to figure out how this is going to work. And he didn't have to eat those green beans. And I bet you they showed up on his plate, though. Um I can remember introducing, we had just moved from a lot of the purees food, parade foods to more of those, you know, mushable, starting to I get into that term. Like, I would just hey. like to say that you coined the term mushable. It wasn't a real word when we were writing the book and it would come up, you know, with a little red underline under it. Yeah. But you, and we're like, we're making it a word. We don't care. Hey, I love yeah. it because I think it's just a good picture it, it allows me to know, oh, mushable, that makes so much sense to me. It, it just does. does. And so we started to, we were moving from purees to a little bit more of those mushable, and there were some pieces, and and I was going to do some spinach that day. And I had both of the boys sitting in high chairs. And so what, I look over, and Blake's got like a little piece of spinach stuck on his forehead, and Patrick is trying to explore the, the mushable foods with his hands and trying to get some in his mouth. They were probably, you know, seven, eight months old. And he's trying to figure out how all this works. And I mean, he'd put some in his mouth, Jennifer, and he'd, he'd gag. And he would look at me and his eyes would get big and he would take more and he'd put it in his mouth. So it was almost like, I really want to explore this and like it. But, but my body is trying to say, yeah, not this, you know. Um, and I think that's so funny. But it is, I always look at solids as more of that activity. I think that especially in those first few months, Jennifer, you know, the nutrition, nutritional benefit of those solids probably doesn't matter a whole lot, right? It's more about the exploration and the excitement and watching their faces and maybe even gagging a bit. <laughs> well, you bring up a really good point. There is so much that's happening on the inside of our babies and toddlers as they're building a relationship with food. And so, so much of that is about the atmosphere and about the experience. And sometimes we just get so locked in on the exacting things of nutrition that we can calculate or, you know, have some kind of chart about that we forget one of the most important things, and that's how to make food fun. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the moms on call. For nearly 20 years, Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they have this podcast to talk directly with you. Ask your questions at 888-234-7979. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. 
um, this is Kelly. I'm from Austin, Texas. And um, this is kind of a long one. So I was just wondering if you could um, talk about the differences between starting our baby on purees or going straight from formula to real food. And, you know, is there, is there any advantage to one or the other developmentally? And how do we actually even start the process? Um, some of my friends started with purees and others uh, did baby-led weaning. And I'm, I'm just not really sure which is best. If we, if we start on the solids, do we need to be prepared for choking? And how do we teach her grandparents and babysitters how to prepare for choking? So it's just, I just want to make sure I have all of my ducks in a row before, before I get started. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you. Oh, we just unpacked a lot of food terminology. Like it should come with a little handbook of what does solids mean? What are purees exactly? And those are some of the things that in our solid food introduction calendar, we tell you what these different things mean, you know, very specifically what the consistencies are. And you can watch it on the one of my favorite, as we've said before, parts when you and I were in my kitchen and you were showing us how to, you know, eat all the different foods and how to make them mushable. So there is a lot of terminology. Laura, let's talk about, is a puree a real food? That was a great multifaceted question. And yes, it is a real food, you know, but when we're talking about those consistencies and beginning, you know, there is no just consistency out there between makers, brands that are on the shelves. If you make your own, they're just, there's no guideline that is, is consistent across all Board. So what it's one standardized those baby foods? You and I went out and got all the different brands, and we went home and sent these videos to each other. So we're like, put this, this is food stage in, one. and like this is really drippy, watery, but it says stage two, and this one is like the <laughs> chunkiest stage one I've ever well, seen. I mean, so it's funny, yeah. There is no it is a confusing place to be as a parent, and so I love the second part of the question. How do you prepare for choking? That's awesome. We are going to be prepared, but also on the same note to know what our children are capable of. They were born to eat this way. We're just leading them into that. So if we go back and we go back to that that first part of the question, let's kind of break this down and really kind of dive in. So how do you start? Where do you start? Do you jump straight in and go to a chicken leg? <laughs> you know, uh, no, no, because oral motor development really is progressive. And so here at Moms on Call, we really like to start off keeping it fun. That's the first thing, right? It's fun and stress free. So some people may want to do it three times a day. Some people may be like, girls. I can only get this in once a day, and that's the way it is. I have perfectly so many kids, fine. Like you're just lucky <laughs> if you get once a day. Somebody has a spoon of baby food in your mouth, and they up to the first year of life, they get a hundred percent of their nutritional needs met through the formula and/or breast milk. So we can have fun. Yes, we get this window where we just get to introduce these things, but. How do we navigate that, Laura, in this world where there is no standardized um, agreement on what necessarily a lot of those consistencies mean? So we like to start solids between that four and six months of age. And I often say to my clients, look, 
It's not a date on the calendar, right? Because some kids at four months are absolutely ready. They're looking at you and they like, hey, Jennifer, I want that cheeseburger that you have that you're eating on and give it to me right now. And some kids are are closer to six months before they really start to kind of engage and want what you're eating. So it's not a date on the calendar. Let's make sure that they have really good head control. Let's make sure that they're sitting up with minimal support and that they're showing interest in what the people around them are eating. And you know it. You know when you're having them sit in the high chair and they're kind of enjoying that family dinner time and they are reaching and wanting and smiling and their eyes are big and you can tell that they're smelling. Oh my gosh, what are these things? So that's a great time to go ahead and start to to begin those solids. And when we say solids, we're talking about anything other than formula or breast milk. Now we can talk about the consistencies of those, Jennifer. So yeah, there's stage one, two, and three is typically historically what we've seen in the jarred baby foods. Um, And those consistencies, they, as we've said, have some inconsistencies. However, stage one is generally pretty watery. Stage two is a bit yogurty. And stage three has some little chunks in it, but they are, as Laura coined, mushable. So we're really not getting anything that they're necessarily going to, that would block their airway. So when some people say solids, like they think like solid foods, like you said, like a chicken leg or a piece of apple. No, those are not necessarily what we would consider solids. Baby foods, starting at that, yeah, Yeah. watery consistency. And so we take them through those things. And I loved what you said, Laura, because yes, it's not a date on the calendar and the developmental aspects of feeding do progress. But I think what we've found is they progress so much faster than we think. And that's why we made the calendar to give parents an idea. Like we can get stuck in just that, like I made it to kind of this watery stage one puree and I'm just going to stay there for a while because nobody kind of tells you when to stop that and go on to the next stage. But you move through those three stages in a matter of a month or a month and a half. And we're getting to the mushables. Yeah. So by, you know, by seven months of age, those kids typically, if, if things have progressed well, we went from stage one, which is that pretty watery one ingredient at a time option. Then we get to a little more like fork, fork mushed if you're making your own. Then we're now we're into that finger mushable. So that by seven, little over seven, eight months of age, now you're actually offering quote unquote real food, you know, mm-hmm. where they're being exposed to now foods that you eat. And the reason that you're able to do that is because we were able to get menu items onto our list of acceptable foods, because really that's the purpose is to be able to just expand that menu, adding one new food at a time every three days and really starting to kind of kick that up uh, and getting to that point where we are, are have a variety of food, because to me, it's more important that they have a variety than the amounts that they're eating. And our the solid food introduction calendar is free. It's a free download. Go grab it. We do walk you through that step by step by step. 
on a literal calendar. We tried to make it as absolutely easy as possible because that's part of what's really important to us. Having had eight kids and, you know, you don't have to be an absolute expert in every single thing. If somebody can just break this down, give me the basics and organize it for me, like then I can be successful from there. Just, you know, let me take it from there. So yeah, we've had a lot of really great feedback about so that. Fun. See what I did there? Yeah. I'll be here all day, folks. Anybody here from Chicago, the Windy City. So, um, so yeah, we do have, um, the other thing you touched on, is that we do have a window and it's seven months that pincher grasp is, you know, starting to happen with the thumb. And that's and my favorite, Jennifer. That's my favorite. They're picking it up. They're squishing it. They're looking at it. They're tasting it. They're smelling it. They, their eyes get so big. They drop it off of the, they're learning all about gravity. Who knew? Who knew? There's because so many <laughs> things. I love how you say that. Like this is an activity, but it engages all of the senses, they get oh. to engage that taste and smell. And this is why like pouches were never our super favorite. Like we get the convenience of those if you're going out, you know, to the park or whatever. Yes. But we want kids to experience food, how it smells, how it feels. You know, they haven't done this before. They don't know how squishy a banana is and oh. they'd like to know. And it's all a part of exploring the world around them, which should be so much fun for all of us. It is messy. So those of us who are not embracing messiness. And that's really harder for us. Uh, we've talked about this before. It's really that's, helpful to have a dog or a pet. I think the dog the is perfect. The floor. Yeah, um, it's awesome. But yeah, but just kind of letting that go for a season and allowing them the messy, incredible experience of all the senses and the activity. And you've said before too, like sometimes you're just wondering, what am I supposed to do with this kid all day? And that's really what I do. I look at it as part of those quote unquote, centers, you know, that, that we use and rotate our kids through uh, as they're up and navigating this incredible world that we live in. And we talked about, she asked a question about choking. So, so Kelly's worried about, you know, choking and if they're with grandparents and, you know, how do we manage that? And, and I thought that was a great secondary part of this because we do need to be prepared, right? We recommend across the board to take a first aid uh, and CPR class. We've said it for years. We've tried to make it really easy and convenient. We offer it online. You can take it and your caregivers are able to take that um, and have that refresher at least once every, you know, 12 months or so, you want to be able to get in there and get that refresher. I still need it. I mean, I still well, need yeah, that refresher. That's why we put that, uh, one of our consultants, Emily, oh, um, who is amazing and bright and brilliant. Um, we put together the first aid CPR class on the Moms on Call website for this very reason, to break it down very simply. And part of what we did is we want you to see the scenario, know the steps, break that scenario down and explain some of the steps, and then see the scenario again. And what we would always say, you know, um, they would say, well, take a class, American Heart or the Red Cross, say take a class about once every two years. However, for friends and family, not, you know, medical personnel like you or I, my recommendation is, and your recommendation has been, Laura, take it as many times as you need yes. to 
in order to feel like you would know what to do in the event of an emergency. And we've had friends, you remember, um, I used to teach CPR and um, we did a class long in the infancy of uh, moms on call. And one of our really good friends a week later had an incident in their front yard and that child lived. They knew exactly what to do. It was so fresh. And so that's why it's important to us. That's why we put it out there as an offering. You can add that onto your online classes. And we made it so succinct and organized in the delivery of the information. It is absolutely one of my very best um, and favorite um, when you've seen a lot of these over the years, as you and I've trained so many times, you know, with our nursing licenses, um, it really, really, I think serves the population of non-medical personnel. And, um, and we hope that you would enjoy that. So take that, allow your, um, friends, family, grandparents. It's so easy to understand and, uh, you'll get a lot of really, really great information and then you'll feel equipped and then you're less stressed as your kids are eating. And that affects the atmosphere. So now they're not looking at, you know, your stressed face necessarily, which is natural and normal. It just relaxes you from the inside. And that is contagious. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. If you have a question for Jennifer and Laura, call 888-234-7979. Visit momsoncall.com for resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive your amazing parenting journey.